1: Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline for the Big Ten Network. We're going to talk a little Big Ten, a little Boilermaker action, final weekend of the regular season of the Big Ten and the Big Ten Conference Tournament with Raphael Davis. There's not a shred of defense being played in this game right now, Raphael. Not one ounce.
2: <laughs> I'm not checking it out. So I not no one idea. ounce.
1: There's nothing happening. I think I would enjoy it, though, because there's not anybody within five feet of anybody shooting the basketball. It's amazing.
2: It sounds like, yeah, sound like that would be a lot of fun for the offensive player. Well, and then, okay, then we'll go on the
1: other side of this. The game that we watched last night where sometimes offensively when you play at Wisconsin, it's a bit of a, an owl, eye-gouging experience. Nothing really ever very pretty about it, which we saw last night. Nothing pretty. Purdue gets the win. Gets back certainly on winning track. um, Gets the win. Wins the Big Ten regular season outright. They still have to find the three-point range here. But all in all, your takeaway from their win in Madison last night?
2: Um, I mean, a a win is a win in the Big Ten, especially a road win. Uh, Purdue, I think they won seven uh, road games in the Big Ten this year, which is the most in school history. So, I mean, it's never easy to go up there and win in wisconsin uh, and that's so, all I mean that was uh, it was a great win, no matter how they no matter how it comes it's, uh sometimes it's better to win the ugly ones and um just the, the good teams win the close ones and uh they got stopped down the end, even so when they cut a score they got stopped they made their free throws and uh back made a couple Brandon made a couple Brady made a couple i mean and and that, i mean they took care of the basketball, so all in all i I'll take it.
1: Yeah, Ray, Fel, I mentioned this, too, because we had talked about this early in the season. The one-possession games they were winning, especially on the road, and that's what I pointed to at the outset of the show. You know, another single-possession game where it came down to the end, and, you know, they they won it defensively, and you get that single-possession game win on the road, which early in the season kind of became their forte.
2: Right. No, I mean, that's what you um... – you strive to be able to win close games. I mean, you go out and you can blow someone out, but being able to execute down the stretch of games, get stops when you really need them, I mean, that's what um, that's what the end of practice is for. You uh, go through shell drill. In order to leave practice, you got to get three stops in a row in order to win the game. And we just got to run. So, I mean, those are drills you do. And last night, they were able to get three stops in a row. And they were able to make some free throws. And then uh, that's all. Uh, it can only help you going forward. And then once you, you add that in, once they start making some shots, which the lead has got to come off the rim at some point, they start making some shots going along with some defensive execution, that's where this team can be special.
1: Yes, Raphael Davis of the Big Ten Network on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon. You talk about making shots. There were many really open looks from distance last yeah. night that they did not knock down. Is this a trouble zone for you as we get to the final weekend of the rig of the season and then into the Big Ten tournament?
2: I mean, yeah, it should be. I mean, and those you look at those four losses Purdue had in those six games. They shot twenty three percent from three in those losses. I mean, you shoot twenty one percent from three last night. So I mean, I mean that's a concern not just from Purdue but just anybody in the country that's not shooting well. That always concerns you, but. I know those guys just because, I mean, being at Purdue, I know they're in the gym. I know they're working on it. So I, they have a couple of days. I mean, they are play Illinois, and then they have a couple of days to play again before Friday where get some fresh legs, get some ice tubs, get some get some treatment going, but also just stay in the gym and get a lot of shots up. And I think, uh, like I said, they've had a stretch like this early December, and once they bursted out of it, it was uh, it's lights out. So once they, I, I feel as though once they get it going, it's, it's, they're not gonna look back from there. So Rafael, they've got to, um, they've <laughs> got to make some shots to be able to. Um, they got to make shots to be able to help Zach out. Zach is uh, getting pounded on down there, and it's, um, it's becoming easy to guard if you're not making shots, and that's where the, that's what it's gonna struggle with.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think you really realize until you see it how much if anybody gets consistent from distance how much that's going to open things up. And that is uh, that is so necessary. And I don't know if it's going to take very much. I mean, these guys are capable of doing it. They just simply didn't last night, and they need to get back in the business of doing it. But, man, that adds so much if they're able to do that.
2: Yeah, it opens the floor up. I mean, because all of those guys can shoot. So, I mean, if you think about – I mean, Mason's hit nine threes in a game. <laughs> so a lot of teams will post-trap big-to-big. And sometimes that's the trap that gives Zach trouble when it's big-to-big. You think of Northwestern. And they were trapping with Robbie Barron and Matt Nicholson and both of those guys 6'9 and above. You know what I mean? So when you have a guy like Mason or even Caleb that can make shots at the fourth position, it just stretches the defense out and then you know, Fletcher can really shoot the basketball. Braden can really shoot the basketball. They just got to stay confident. Even Brandon Newman, they just got to stay confident in the shot. A guy like David Jenkins has made over 300 three pointers in his career. So, you know what I mean? So it's just going to open the floor up more and more. And then it opens up those driving lanes and then you get some driving kicks. But it helps Zach out a bunch. We never just kick the ball out and it just makes the defense have to second guess. But going. They can't continue to go 4 for, four for 19, 4 for 20, twenty one for 3. That's um, you know, that's going to kill them come tournament time.
1: So Rafael Davis with us. Size up the final weekend of the Big Ten regular season, and then I know there's still a lot to be figured out as far as who's going to get the double bye and what things are going to look like because so much of the conference is jumbled up. But what do you like about what we're going to see in this final regular season weekend going into next week in the Big Ten conference tournament?
2: I'm just curious how everybody's gonna finish out. I mean, even Purdue, they have a big game. I mean, are they are they satisfied with winning the Big Ten? or they have a mature mentality and gonna approach this Illinois game with a serious attitude? I mean, I think David Jenkins may be the only guy going through the senior night senior night ceremonies. I don't. I know Zach is a junior, but I mean, maybe if he's going pro, maybe he goes through it. But I think um, their approach to this game will show a lot. Uh, even Illinois, they're coming on the road, building some momentum before going into the Big Ten tournament. But I think um really interesting week, especially weekend, especially for Big Ten tournament seating. We still don't know who's where after Purdue. And after, I mean, you got Minnesota, Ohio State down at the bottom, but everybody else is moving. And I think uh, Michigan has a big opportunity at IU, um, going in there ruining senior night. Um, but they could uh, really, really – it's re- insert themselves into the yeah. insert themselves into the dance into the tournament. So this should be an interesting Sunday and Saturday Sunday.
1: Well you bring up a great point too because <clears throat> there have been times when a team will show you and make you believe that they're playing that second fiddle, whether it's been Northwestern right. or Maryland or IU, only to show yeah. you the next game or the next two or the case of Northwestern the next three that they're not ready for right. that.
2: Yeah, no, it, uh, it it changes up on you quick. And this year in the Big Ten, it's one of the best years the league has had. I mean, every game is a fight. I mean, you think about Rutgers going to Minnesota, losing. They were up ten with a minute to go, and they lost that game. So every game, you got to come and you got to play. And that's what you that's what you love about this league. And that's why I think this um uh, that's why I think this league will get a team to the Final Four because each each, each team is battle tested. You'll have the lower seeded teams. I don't know if um, these 8-9, in the 8-9 game, you're going to have a few Big Ten teams in. And I don't know if a one team will want to see a Big Ten team. You know what I mean? I mean, that's not something that's, that's, that you normally would see from an eight, nine, a 9-1 nine, game, 8-1 game, whatever. So I think it's just a tough league. Every single game is a battle, and that's what you want. And um, it's, it's going to make every team better.
1: Hey, Ray Fell, with that beatdown that Iowa put on IU back on Tuesday night, is this reminiscent to how you saw Iowa start to come together, especially on the offensive end? And obviously a year ago they had Keegan Murray, who was always going to be a difference maker. But it seems like all their guys collectively right now are in zones, are zoned up shooting the basketball at a hell of a time to be zoned up shooting the basketball.
2: Yeah, I mean, that last minute of that Michigan State game, it really helped them. Paint would always say, Coach Paint would always say, you start your next game how you finish your last one. I mean, they started that Indiana game, right, the same exact way they finished the Michigan State one. And guys like Stanford being able to come off of the bench and make five threes, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, Chris Murray, I mean, you look at it, he was going through a real struggle, <clears throat> struggle from three the last few games before that Michigan State game. And he's really coming to his own. And even though they don't have Keegan, Keegan being a top-five pick, they still have an NBA player. They still have a first-rounder. And a lot of teams, they just simply don't have that across the Big Ten. So you really like that going into tournament play. And then Perkins has really found a rhythm. I really love Perkins' game. He He knows his game. On a team full of guys that shoot a bunch of threes, he's that guy that's getting to the basket, that's keeping the defense honest. that's putting pressure on that back line. I mean, against Indiana, he shot 10 free throws. He got 23 points. He shot two three-pointers. You know what I mean? So that's the old-school way of getting yours. And then the guy for Iowa that I loved all season, I think he should be an all-conference guy. I think Phillip Rocha should be a second-team all-conference guy. He's just been consistent. He's the guy that's really found his rhythm. Last year, he was – because he was the guy at North Dakota State. He was the guy out there. And coming into Iowa last year, he had to find a way to fit in with, with good players. And that takes a while. And this year, he's really learned how to exist with Chris Murray and those guys. And even 16-8, that's a, that's a really good line from him. And that's just a consistent line. He goes six for eight from the field. And that's that's in foul trouble. So, I like this Iowa team. I've liked this Iowa team from the beginning because they have glue guys. They have guy leadership like Connor McCaffrey. They won the Big Ten tournament before, so they know what this feels like. I just, um, I'm high on the Iowa team, especially going into tournament play because they have NBA guys. All
1: right. When are we going to see you on Big Ten Network?
2: I am back on Sunday. I am actually on Sunday through Sunday, every day next week. <laughs> oh,
1: man. You like that. That's You want to be working all the time this time of year, man. Enjoy it.
2: We'll do it again soon. Y'all know. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Andy Moore on the Group Hotline right now. The voice of the Hoosiers is Don Fisher. And much like all of us, Don, you knew David Benner incredibly well and just knew how fantastic of a person he was, too.
3: Absolutely. Uh, David was a, a good friend and obviously a guy that uh, everybody respected uh, in the newspaper business, obviously in the media relations business. Uh, just a great person and uh, a, a guy that you could really have a lot of fun with. Uh, I went to, I was uh, substituting in for somebody in Chicago, a writer in Chicago back when he was still, uh, actually, he was, I think, with the Pacers at that time. But I got to sub in and go to Scotland with he and uh, Tom Reitman and Dale Ratterman, and we just had a ball over there. Uh, That was my first time to really be with David a lot. Uh, Of course, he covered the the Hoosiers for several years as the beat writer, and that's when I first got to meet him and know him. Uh, But just a wonderful person. Uh, You can't say enough good things about David. I think just about everybody has at this point and uh, without doubt, uh, we're going to miss him. It's
1: a voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. We will segue to IU basketball, and maybe we'll we'll double back and talk about what took place on Tuesday night at uh, Assembly Hall in Bloomington. I'm not sure you, you want to. I'm not quite sure I want to. I'm not quite sure <laughs> anybody wants to listen to us talk about it again. So I want to move forward here to Michigan and IU on Sunday afternoon at 4.30. And A senior day for Trace Jackson Davis and what he has accomplished, what he has meant to this program. What have you seen? We talk about his growth all the time, but maybe long form for us all. What have you seen over these years with Trace, with growth, with his game on and off the floor from what you have seen and certainly knowing him as a player back at Center Grove in high school?
3: Well, and that's where I first saw him play basketball, was at Center Grove. And uh, I saw him play the opening game, I believe, this was his senior year, I think, because both he and Armond Franklin had committed to Indiana. Um, And I went and saw those guys play the opening game of the season and neither one of them played all that great. <laughs> they, they both had their problems that night. Well, I think there were some issues uh, with the
1: game itself, if I remember, in that particular game. So, yes, you're right. that's
3: correct, too. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly right. Uh, it's an unfortunate scenario that took place. But all that said, um, you know, I've I, I watched uh, Trace grow as a player. I've watched him grow as a person. Um, in my only interaction with him, generally speaking is, is with interviews of those kinds of things, because I I don't get real close to the players during the seasons. Obviously I I interview them and have a chance to talk to them a little bit, but you don't want to get too close because you know, it takes away some objectivity and that kind of thing. And I've become closer with players after they graduated than than at any other time, both in football and basketball, you know, um, And that's where you kind of really develop the relationships. But Trace has just been a terrific young man. First of all, he just comes from a great family. I mean, they do things right. Uh, There's no doubt that uh, he was raised absolutely the way he should have been raised. He doesn't have much of an ego. He's one of those guys that is very approachable. He's a great interview. I mean, as articulate as anybody on the basketball team. Um, And and he's always been that way. He's never been a guy that's uh, been afraid of the microphone in any way, shape or form. But most importantly, it's how he's grown as a player at Indiana. And, uh, you know, he, he we talked about this before at times in high school just didn't dominate ball games like you thought he could or would and should have in some respects. But I think he's one of those guys that kind of let the game come to him in, in, in many respects and at the same time thought that, that was the way to play it. Not that it, that it's not, but he, sometimes he just didn't give 100%. It didn't seem like, if you know what I'm saying. And it wasn't like he was trying to dog it or anything like that. He just didn't take over games. And I think that's the part of the game that he has improved most upon is that he is one of those guys now that just wants to win. And that that competitive drive... Uh, at this point in his career, will serve him well wherever he goes and whatever he does past basketball at Indiana. And we all assume, assume that he's going to play in the NBA. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, and, we'll you know, what that is all going to bring, we'll just have to, like I said, we'll have to wait and see. But just about as far as him as a person and as a basketball player, the growth has been absolutely tremendous. And I can't conceive that he won't be successful or whatever he does in life.
1: Do you have any thoughts about where he's going to go down as far as what he has done on the the floor? I mean, his numbers are eye-popping in the history of basketball at IU.
3: They are. There's no question. He's the all-time rebound leader now. He's the all-time shot-blocking leader. He's fourth in scoring. He's got a chance to be third in scoring before he's done this year uh, and probably will be third in scoring all time. That's just remarkable. Uh, When you consider very few big guys, I mean, they they may have a – one area that they're really strong in over the other. He's been good at all of those things. And this year, right now, he's leading the team in assists. So, I mean, it tells you how much growth he has had as a player uh, because as a freshman and a sophomore, he was out there doing his thing for the most part, really kind of struggled to find you know guys to throw the ball to when he get got double teams and that kind of thing. His ball handling was suspect at times. All of those things have gotten dramatically better over the last two years. And you got to give Mike Woodson a lot of credit for that.
1: Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What do you expect to see? Got a senior day coming up. Michigan, there's a lot on the line. I mean, still can get to that double buy with a win and a little bit of help. What's your expectation for Sunday, Don?
3: Well, I would be totally disappointed if I don't see a, a dramatic improvement over the effort. Uh, and the toughness and the competitiveness that we saw uh, on Tuesday against Iowa. There's just no question that was, in my opinion, an aberration, but in, not a good one in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I, I just think that this team has to get back to the energy level and the competitive level that they saw or that they showed that, that they have in them uh, against Purdue. I mean, it was just a phenomenal performance by them against Purdue in an incredibly difficult atmosphere and environment to play in. And, you know, you come off of that ball game and maybe they got a little full of themselves or a little bit too uh, paying too much attention to the clippings after the ball game and and being too high after a ball game, so to speak, and not really understanding that they had to come back down in a hurry. And they only had a couple of days to prepare for the Hawkeyes, but they played them once before. They knew exactly what they were going to face so that's no excuse. And the fact of the matter is, Iowa had a pretty tough game on that same day. They played, may have played it a little bit earlier, but they had a, an overtime contest, and they had to come back and expend energy and emotion and all those kinds of things, just like Indiana did against Purdue. And they played lights out, and Indiana did not. And that's what's still disappointing in that loss.
1: So Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers on the Andy Moore automotive group Potline. It just, I- Iowa showed up just ready to wreck somebody. And that's exactly what they did from the tip first five minutes and then never let up Don.
3: Right. And you're going to see the exact same thing when Michigan comes to town on Sunday, because this is a team that's fighting for their lives as far as maybe getting a bid number one or number two, uh, just to have the kind of season that they hope to have. And, And let's face it, uh, Hunter Dickinson's a load. Uh, Jet Howard has become a really good player, uh, one of the top freshmen in the league this year, and their second-leading scorer, I believe. And then on top of that, you know, from my perspective, Senior Day is a day that everybody looks forward to and everybody's thinking about maybe the speeches at the end of the game and that kind of thing. Those speeches take on a totally different level of meaning when you lose your last ball game at assembly hall and regular season. And of course, what's on the line in this particular case is that double buy situation that they could have controlled themselves if they had just gotten and win over Iowa last Tuesday. So right now, this team has got a lot to play for. There's no question about that. Seeding is also a factor for the NCAA tournament. And honestly, I know they want that double buy, but now they have to have a little help from somebody else because there's everybody, everybody's everybody at this point's at eleven and eight in the conference. It's so amazing.
1: Yeah, this is not my argument, so don't laugh at me when I tell you about it. But I I'd heard a couple of different times that hey, maybe it would be better in the Big Ten Conference Tournament if they got to play one more game, especially if Xavier Johnson were able to play because that would give him another game. And, and my response is, first of all, you don't know when he's going to be ready to play. At least we don't. And I'm telling you, with the Big Ten Conference Tournament and IU or this IU team, if you could skip a step and get a double bye, skip that step and get a double bye. And then
3: <laughs> yes,
1: sir. and then you you'll find out, Whenever, because it's not like you're, you're not going to have a lot of time to, you know, get acclimated, Xavier Johnson to things, or reacclimated in this case to things. Anyway, so when that happens, do it. But if you can skip a step in this case, you skip that step.
3: Well, you definitely want to get the double buy. There's just no question about that. Xavier Johnson is is a kid that I can think will acclimate very quickly to what has to be done. Uh, if he is 100% physically, and that's the big question mark, how how quickly can he get to 100%? Because from a from a you know a basketball conditioning standpoint, he hasn't had a lot of time to get back any kind of what you would call basketball stamina, and so I can't conceive that they're going to use if he does play in Sunday's ball game uh, that they would use him a ton of minutes. There's just no way. I don't think he could do that. I don't think it would be good for him either because obviously he's coming back hasn't played a lot of competitive uh, basketball and Mike has said he hasn't practiced all that much up to this point because they're being very careful with him but when I saw him in warmups again before the Iowa ball game the thing that impressed me most was how quickly he was going down that there's a thing that they put looks kind of like a, a rope ladder so to speak that you put your you know you they go as fast as they can from left to right and right to left and he was doing that amer- just amazingly quick. I-, I was really surprised by it. So I just think he's going to be uh, – if he can get back uh, and be in some positive minutes, not go off you know, and try to do more than he's capable of doing uh, and be smart with his play, I think he's really going to help this team become a little bit – a lot better of a basketball team here at the end of the season because the one thing I think they missed from him more than anything else – was his defensive toughness against the best or smallest guard that the other team had. And when he had to go up against quick guys that were just as quick as he, he was the toughest guy in the four, generally speaking against almost everybody he faced, and you love that part of him.
1: Don, you remember, and I know you do, the Big Ten Conference Tournament against Michigan, really in the latter portions of the season, uh, he was just a different guy last year. And then, in yeah. turn, this team, once it got into the postseason, looked like a different team.
3: They did. I mean, his last ten games last season were as good as he played all year long, and he did it consistently well. Uh, that's what gave you so much hope for this season uh, and what he would be capable of doing uh, to help this ball club win. And unfortunately, we lost him in the Kansas ball game uh, in mid-December, and from that point forward, he has not been available. So he's missed over two months of the season at this juncture. and And you don't know quite what you can expect at this point, but you do know this. If there's one thing that he is, he's a competitor. He works his butt off, and he will battle whoever he's up against, and that's what I like about him best.
1: Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Well, it um, it should be fun. <laughs> I can't imagine that uh, it'll look anywhere near like it did on Tuesday night. So you get that two-and-a-half-minute, Press conference for Mike Woodson. Frustrated afterwards. It somebody somebody better look a little bit differently other than Trace coming up Sunday.
3: Well, you think if you think his press conference was fast, you should have seen him on the post game show. <laughs>
1: was he one word answer, Coach? For you?
3: It was not one word answer, but it was like about two questions asked and two questions answered in about forty five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, pretty much, I knew there's no sense in continuing this. To, form of questioning, because it's not going to get you anywhere, so we just sit, wrapped it up in a hurry. Thanks, Coach. See ya.
1: Well, <laughs> ov- over the years, um, especially doing what you do, you kind of recognize that. I guess at least you didn't have to wait around for like three hours to do
3: it. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you be referencing there? I have no
1: idea, but you waited around for three hours a couple of different times, didn't you?
3: <laughs> it was maybe not three hours, but it felt
1: like it. <laughs> hey, our table on the agenda tonight?
3: Oh yeah. Oh yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. Well say hello to Joe and Ginger for me. I'm sitting yeah, here I'm sitting here trying to live in the moment with my sycamores of Indiana State who are shooting the lights out against Belmont in the quarters of the Mo Valley Conference tournament. Sixty oh, percent cool. right now from three, yet they're only up three. They couldn't guard me or you right here. They can't <laughs> guard us. Trust me, they can guard me. Don, Don, these guys, it's not so much as defensively they can't. They're they're very unwilling.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a bit of an indictment there, boys
1: and girls. They're a little unwilling to want to get in front of somebody. But anyway, hey, you guys have a great dinner. Tell everybody I said hi at our table tonight, Don.
3: All right, we'll do it, bud. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline right now from ESPN Radio, the author of the Friday Slow Jam Sing-Along re It's Mike Wells.
4: A little immature going on today. <laughs> I don't know the word I don't know the words of though. I can't I can't even think of this one. I just know it's immature. You got
1: immature. Playtime is over from nineteen ninety-four. The three person group called Immature. Well, yes, oh, this man. is a slow There's jam the right went. there. Who's the
4: one that left the, the group?
1: No oh, you had to ask Something me that.
4: Uh, is, it is it Marcus Houston?
1: Uh I think that's who it is, yeah. I think that's who it is. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Man, hey, guess what guess what, man? We got uh three weeks, man.
1: Three weeks? Manny just called. You know Manny's gonna go with us. Caller Manny. Who's Manny? Manny's man. Manny's a caller. Oh. He's going. Hey, does he realize he has to supply some adult beverages <laughs> and you want to roll with us? I don't know if Manning knows that yet. I don't know if Dion knows that he has to get Manning a Manny a ticket yet either, because I haven't seen him. But we'll have to figure that out when the time comes because Manny's going. Manny's going with us. I yeah. think me and you and we Manny, mean, we would like be a really good uh, older school bell Biv DeVoe ourselves right here. I think we'll be looking good. Nice.
4: Hey, something tells me they'd be trying to call us color me bad. Or all for one, or something, man. Like, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be the, cool out, uh, the cool white guy that's got some soul with him in the group.
1: That's Ooh, what would happen. I'm going to tweet out this picture that's on my Indiana State University 1990, what was that, 1991, I think it was, ID card, where there was not much of a difference between me and the uh, lead singer of color, Me Bad, who now is about 700 pounds, I think, or at least last year was but and i guess kind of
0: i guess uh, wait, so am i luckily you're
4: not 700 pounds so, uh, that, <laughs> you're not, you're not uh, in this situation so here's the question were you uh were you were you talking about uh i want to sex you up the whole time during that time too back in the day oh
1: yeah but here's why too because today 32 years ago actually i think it was yesterday 32 years ago color me bad released i want to sex you up to the and TikTok, listen. you don't stop.
4: Hey, and then you know what? I just re- I just remember in New Jack City, they yep. played when uh, he, um, Nino Brown said, "You see the pimple on the booty."
1: Yeah. No. Yep. Color me bad, right yeah. there. Um, yeah. yeah, they had they had like three or four songs, and it was always funny because the group the group looked like like individual musicians already established. Like the lead singer had that little, had that kind of vanilla ice vibe going. Uh, One guy looked like George Michael. One guy looked like Terrence Trent Darby, and the other guy looked like Kenny G. Did they do that purposely, you think, with that group? Hey,
4: they wanted to make sure their audience realized looked at at their their faces and said, okay, (laughs) they got a little diversity up in there. So they wanted to make sure everybody was singing the words in her songs.
1: This is a true story. So 1991, I would have been 21. And I'm quite sure when I was 21 in 1991 at Hooligans in Bloomington on Kirkwood, down just off the IU campus, I was rocking a red turtleneck with a black vest, wearing my rope chain on the outside of the turtleneck. And uh, this lady came up and said, you know what? You look exactly like the lead singer of Color Me Bad. True story,
4: man. I, I sure, I sure hope that you took advantage of those comments, and and then please, she please
1: went fake, and fake started. A little bit. And then she went and started mouthing on some other dude. Yeah.
4: <laughs> oh man, she a. She she was like no the beer hey the beer goggles went away Jay that's
1: what I happened. know it I know it I said here's here I got a couple of AMFs and a couple of Pink Floyd's and a couple of Long Island's for you set up right here that's what I was doing back in the day I was drinking Long Island iced teas at the at Hooligans in Bloomington which was in Dunkirk Square not too far from where you teach on Kirkwood Avenue uh, at, at Hooligans the drinks were AMFs. Pink Floyd's and Long Island's, and we oftentimes got seven and sevens back then.
4: Man, they traded Hooligans now for Kilroys on Kirkwood, and have a number of different flavored uh, Long Island ices um, at, at Kilroys on Kil- uh, Kirkwood. Not, yeah. not that I know where.
1: Yeah, the only problem with um, with Hooligans, which was a great bar, it got I think it got closed down because it kept letting too many people like me in with a fake ID. <laughs> so oh, they kept man. getting in trouble. When they got rated and like twenty five percent of their clientele was under twenty one, I I think uh the city frowned upon that, yeah. That's what hey are you on Radio Rope, the convention center? Um I was for one day when Chris Ballard was also oh happy to come out and join me. Did you see that video? Uh
4: no, actually no, I did not. I don't think he's uh, a big fan look, of
1: mine. Look. I don't think he's a big fan. What?
4: Was
0: what was the uh, was he very short and No, no. I mean, he he was too. he was
1: just fine, but he just I, I, and I guess I would not have noticed until the people around me said, "I don't know if he likes you or not." And then I had people that were watching it at the time, uh, texting me and tweeting me, saying, "I don't think he likes you." And then I went back and looked at it. And it doesn't look like that he likes me. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just you know. And, and here's part of it. And this is what I understand. I understand that if we turn things around, and I'm and he's talking junk about me every day, Monday through Friday, between three and six. I don't like him either. So no. you know what I mean. I understand. Hey,
4: so, that. so so what you're telling me is Ryan Grisham was more, inci- more excited to go on and uh, talk to uh, Jake and Kevin this morning than Ballard was to talk to you um
1: probably yeah probably
4: did, did, did you did you happen to catch when you were driving miss laney or mr Blake to school did you catch did you catch any of
1: brixen this morning i did not did you tell me all about it because somebody else asked me inside the lounge via youtube live about it and i i at the time i was in the house i did not hear it. what was said
4: well well, it, well I, only, I caught part of part of it. i listened to some of it on my way down to Bloomington for a meeting today. And I just got a chuckle when uh, I think – I can't remember which one or two asked him about, uh, you know, any kind of regrets or whatever. And uh, Grixon basically said, you know, um, my mindset is not to sit here and appease the media. You know, know, people say I wasn't friendly enough to the media. I just – I simply wanted to win. And I I honestly almost drove off the road on Kirkwood as I was finding a parking spot because when the Colts were winning the first couple years – he was all about the media. He he was he was he was our best friend. But once 2015 came about, and he and Chuck Pagano were having issues and stuff, um, he shut he completely shut the media down. So I just call I call it being the front runner, man. When it was good, he was fine. But when adversity hit, he wanted he wanted nothing to do with us. So I I just I got a big laugh out of that comment when he when he uh, said, "Oh, he just cared about winning, and not worried about the media."
1: Well, I was I was laughed about it because there I didn't have an issue with him, you know, other than you know the results and where this team ended up, and it's very similar to Ballard. I don't have an issue. There's no axe to grind, and there's nothing personal going on here whatsoever. But I just can't go on here for three hours a day and talk about Colts football when things aren't going well, and talk about a you know a four win one tie team like they're on the verge of going to the Super Bowl next year. So I, I just can't do that. I mean, I, 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 I would I would like to have a little bit of credibility around here, and doing that, you'll lose it in a second. What the, yeah, about to say. The reality is, you would lose all credibility
4: if you were to sit here and stroke the ego of Chris Ballard or Ryan Grigson, knowing that the football teams were not good. You know that they had issues, especially this past season. If you were to sit here and praise Ballard to say he's going to get it right, knowing in his first six seasons the Colts have only been to the playoffs twice, I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure I can sit there and as much as I love. Guy and, and Keith Sweat, I, I don't think I could stand in the audience at a concert knowing you're telling a lie and, and, and giving them praise when they don't deserve it.
1: The only thing that I ever took the wrong way was when his agent called me once and said I had to stop following the lead of others in this market about my opinion regarding Gregson, And I said, listen, I don't follow anybody's lead around here. That pissed me off. That part really pissed me off and to this day would piss me off. But nothing Ryan Grigson ever did ever irritated me at all. It was just about what was going on at the time. It was about where the team was going. It was about results. It was about, you know, what wasn't going on, uh, what what people, you know, didn't like about his leadership um, within that organization. And there's, you know, a lot of similarities in terms of the criticism. And there has to be because when you don't win that criticism, is going to be there when you go six years and you got one playoff win and you've been to the postseason twice you're going to get criticism because normally to come back a seventh year you have to have a resume as a general manager looks like John Snyder in Seattle not what Chris's looks like here so it's never anything personal there's never an axe to grind I think sometimes people have a very hard time getting past that and Mike I'll own this too I would be one of those I'd be one of those. If, I, if if Chris or if Ryan Grigson had this spot every day and fired on me every day like I do, I'd probably be pissed at them too. Actually, there's no probably about it. I know I would be. So it just comes well, yeah, with I mean, the territory. That. So that's something that I've always understood. Yeah,
4: that's equivalent to when we got people saying we're idiots on Twitter. So, man, you know, after a while you get, you get tired of hearing it. And, and that's me. You know, I honestly, I enjoyed talking to Ryan Grigson you know, away from, you know, when we weren't talking about football. I, I had fun talking to him. In fact, when he left, he even said, he goes, hey, you know what? He goes, my boys are telling me that he goes, you would fit in perfect in the region because you do a lot of poo-poo, you know, poo-poo, even though you didn't need use the S word, talking, and you can hang with my boys from the region. I like Chris Ballard. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's, it's all about results. If you're winning, I would write positive stuff. If you suck." I would write uh say I would write saying you suck or I'd be on the radio killing you. And for Chris Baller right now, it's all about the Colts suck. Yeah. And I'm not saying they gotta get to the play you know, let's just say assume they trade up the number one Rev Young. I'm not saying they gotta make the playoffs, but for Baller's sake, there are gonna be signs of completely turning the corner and not just being another whole team and saying, oh yeah, we had a rookie quarterback. No. they got to show legit progress and make it seem like they're going to build off of whoever their their starting quarterback, their rookie starting quarterback is next season.
1: Mike Wells joins us from ESPN Radio. The the one thing, and, and what I wanted to come across is I wanted it on Wednesday and it was, and listen, there was no problem whatsoever. He answered absolutely everything in a way in which he wanted to answer it. It's not like we drew any conclusions by anything, but he answered the questions I asked the way that he wanted to answer it. But I wanted to be completely 100% serious. I didn't want to start You know, jacking around and laughing and giggling and patting each other on the back because that's when it becomes phony. So I love the way that it went. The way that it went was, all right, we're talking about serious stuff right now. We'll keep it serious. And we had 20 minutes of of Q&A. And he, you know, got across and answering questions, you know, in a way where he didn't want to probably give any answers. I understand that. And uh, he answered everything that I rapid fire ask him i just didn't want to start giggling and laughing and doing all that stuff that could happen when you're together in a place and um that's that's one thing that i think i ended up accomplishing and i didn't I, I did not in this case not enjoy it at all i i did and i wish you would come on more because i have all these questions and if i'm wrong about something mike if i'm stating something that's inaccurate he can correct me whenever he likes I have no problem with that. And I'll own stuff. I'll be corrected. I have zero problem with that.
4: Yeah, you need them to come on more often so you can go on Twitter and say that you're the only one that can get Chris Ballard on your show, man.
1: Man, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that's also not a big deal of mine, too. <laughs> so, you know that to be true. Uh, yeah, you know that DJ, to be true.
4: You know I had to,
1: you know to message you on that one. <laughs> nah, at, uh, no, seriously, it was. Um, it, it, it was it was good um, that he came on. I'm glad that he did because Mike. It had been a while. It had been a long time since yeah. he'd been on, and and I do appreciate that. But I I tried to. If you watch the video, I tried to keep it as you know. Oftentimes, when you get you know, it's it gets personal when you're when you're back and forth in front of one another. It gets lighthearted, and I think I, I tried to ask the questions that I thought the fans would want because he was just meeting with the media 10 minutes prior to our interview and I didn't want to rehash all the questions that were asked 10 minutes before so I tried to ask what I thought the fans would want in a very serious fashion because I think that's the way they would want them asked so that's that's kind of how I handled it but all, all was good and again if he 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 probably thinks I'm an idiot, and he's probably right. But I completely understand on both sides why he might. But I'm glad that he came on because it was a good 20 minutes on this show on Wednesday. Certainly.
4: No, that's good. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, their talk is going to be, you know, qu- quarterback talk the entire time. Are, are you still? I mean, are you in? A, are you in the position of saying, do whatever it takes to move up to number one?
1: Let me tell you this. We had a couple of quotes today. One was from C.J. Stroud, who described himself as a ball placement specialist. That got me a bit aroused. I can't lie, because they need somebody that's a ball placement specialist. And then Levis got up there and was asked why he felt it necessary to throw at the combine. And he said because he wanted to show off his cannon. I don't know. I may, I, I like, like both that, these guys with that. Happening. But no, honestly, Stroud, to me, Stroud's the guy. To me, Stroud is the guy. Until further notice, Stroud is the guy. I came away from talking to Chris on Wednesday. I came away believing that Chris will stay at four. He may move up to three. I don't think he has any intention whatsoever in moving up to one, Mike. All right, so, uh, man, I'm,
4: I'm, I'm sitting in a drive, and so – we got we, who's number two? What teams? We know Houston. Houston's number two. Who's number three? Arizona. Oh yeah, and hey, some. Hey, I. Hey, how, hey, how jacked that would be? Let's say the Colts think they're going to say a four, and Chicago say the one, and they they overlook what happened with the the, the, the Georgia kid. They took him one. Houston takes Houston takes Bryce Young And number two. How crazy would it be if Carolina leapfrogged the Colts? The grab C.J. Stroud at number three. Frank Wright says, no, no, I'm getting my I'm getting my quarterback first.
1: Here was my guess, and I have nothing to go on other than just being a guess. I bet you that the Colts and Ballard like Will Levis, and I bet you they believe at four they can get Will Levis. That's my bet. Ooh, until I, Again, that's until you, further I mean, notice as well.
4: Yeah. Man, I'll tell you, I, 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 I get the sense from the fan base that if they take Will Levison four, the, the, you know the guy that you know is least known out of the top three quarterbacks. There's going to be I think that I could feel a luke, a very lukewarm to pissed off <laughs> feeling off that pick if if, if, if they take Levison four.
1: Yeah, I just I, I got the feeling two things that stood out from Wednesday is I got the feeling that he's if if they move maybe it's one spot if it presents itself. Um, I don't think he minds at all to stay at four. And I asked him a couple of different times about his roster building, blueprint, philosophy, if he was going to change. And I asked it a couple of different ways. And I also got the impression that not much is going to change from that either. Yeah. If, if, there's,
4: if there's one stubborn SOB when it comes to certain things, Chris Ballard is the poster child for it. I think he's proven that year after year. And I don't, I don't mean that in an insult way or negative way. Right. But Ballard's that guy that once he's set in his ways, he's not. It's going to take a lot for him to change. He he, put, he doesn't put his feet to sand. He puts his feet to cement and doesn't want to and doesn't want to move off of it.
1: So Mike Wells of ESPN Radio with us. Hey Mike, before I let you go here, um, our friend and I know somebody you have had become so incredibly close to David Benner passed away a couple of days ago I did my best um, to talk about just how special he was not just in this community but throughout the NBA community and I, I was really excited about having you on today because I know you have a lot to say and a lot of feelings and a lot of emotions going through you about somebody that was so close to you
4: no, that's the thing, and you know people are gonna laugh when I say this, but you know when I when I moved here in 2005, you know the late Saqu Smith. Once he left here, he goes, you need to be. He goes, you gonna love David Benner. Who I, I kind of had casual conversations with when I covered the books. He goes, but he goes, David Benner is gonna be your MF. But he can. He said the cuss words, and Seiku was not lying about that. You know, it, it wasn't just about oh, what time do I need to be at practice or shoot around or availability? You know, Benner and I had that relationship where with me being the only reporter who traveled on the beach, he'd send me a text or call and say, "Let you know, let's go grab dinner. And he loved his chicken wings and his ribs the same way you and I love them, Jay. And we would we would sit there and just have dinner all the time. And at the time, you know, when my mom passed away from cancer in 2010, you know, he checked, he checked on me on a regular basis. And as, as his body continued to deteriorate, as the cancer ate at him, you know, I'd probably say over the last six to eight months, you know, I, I would, I would call him all the time, text him, you know, I'd go down and golf by myself and he would just ride in the golf cart with me. He'd hang out and he didn't want to go home. He didn't want to be at home because he'd just be sitting around cause he didn't have much strength. And I, I would take four, four and a half hours. And, we would to tell some of the same stories we did from when I covered the team, talking about Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal, all the Stephen Jackson, and just we laughed laugh our asses off. Like it was the first time we heard the story, and once Venner went into the hospital and then hospice, you know, I spent quite a bit of time. I'd come back from Bloomington and just hang out with him and stuff. And again, you know, people would say, well, you know, was he alert and aware? David Venner up until a week ago Sunday, the last time I saw him, he was talking trash to me nonstop. He'd always say, you know, he, when he left the hospital the ICU, he got in the car on a Friday. You and I finished up, and he goes, "Goodness gracious!" I get in the car, turn the radio, and the first voice I hear is you. He goes, "Can I go back in the hospital?" And he was joking about that because I just finished up our Friday segment. So Venner wasn't just a, he just wasn't a media relations person for me. He was one hell of a friend. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm going to miss him and think about him every day. You know, next Wednesday, when he has his service, you know, Bill Benner and his wife Jane, David's wife Jane, asked me to speak at it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to get through it. And all I know is is that, you know, Benner and Seku Smith are up in heaven. Probably talking trash about me right now, man. Yeah. And, and I, as I told David when I walked out the, out of his hospice, uh, after dropping him off An extra large cherry line Made from Sonic We, did, we gave our fist bump And we both said we love each other And I walked out and I just had that knot in my stomach Thinking that was going to be the last time I had a, a real conversation with him So, But I, I I love that guy like a brother
1: So Mike Wells Could not be stated Any better from anybody That uh, knew him Certainly better as you did Mike well done. I know it's tough. It really is. All right. Keep in touch over the weekend. I'll see you on, on Wednesday as well. And uh as we get closer to, to uh to the end of March and our new edition show, we'll uh we'll hang together. Tell the lovely Layla and the fam I said hello to Mike. All
4: right, brother. I'll talk to you later.
3: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, run by Joe Childers. CarX.com today, it is Bob Lovell from Indiana Sports Talk. Hello, Bob. Hey John, how are you? What is this sectional weather doing to us on this semifinal Friday night? What it normally does?
5: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's uh if you're up in the region, you're in trouble. If you're north of Fort Wayne, you're in trouble. If you're down around, you know, southwestern Indiana, you have issues. So there are a surprising number of postponements tonight kind of throwing a wrench into the
1: tournament being in the region i think it's just routine for you to understand you're going to be (laughs) daily in trouble so yes not only that you've got the wintry weather to the north with a a number of postponements and then you're getting the uh, flooding that's going on evidently down south I, i think one of the the closest areas to us right now is the one I saw. Kind of surprised me, I guess, but I'm assuming it's because of flooding. The Seymour sectional semifinals with Jeffersonville, Jennings County, New Albany, Seymour postponed.
5: I agree with you on that. I mean, it just seems like those of us here in central Indiana, we seem to be we seem to be okay. You know, you're, you're talking Muncie on South, and um, you know the White River Valley seems to be okay. So. Uh, big change you know big uh, big changes uh underway this weekend not like everybody was expecting it to be it's sectional time and those of us who've been around a little bit we understand that bad weather is a a normal thing for sectional week there's a lot of water in my
1: yard i'm on an incline too I left today, and I thought, man, I hope my – good thing I've got a double battery backup on the old sump pump here because I bet this bad boy's working a little bit right now.
5: John, I remember when I was 10 years old going to the uh, Brownsburg sectional. Snowstorm. We know it's snowing. We jump in the car. My mom, dad, brother, and I get up to the ball game to watch our beloved Quakers. Middle of the first half, they come on the PA and announce that State Road 267 is closed. And you're not going to be allowed to leave the building.
3: <laughs> so,
5: <laughs> so we spent the night. We and hundreds of our very close friends spent the night in the Brandsburg Gym. Ooh, that's after awesome! After the sectional, that was great. It was yeah. great. It worked. My, I mean, my brothers, you know, twelve, and uh, we're 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 having a ball. It's a great thing. And the other part of it is our Quakes had won the sectional. It's this sectional championship night on Saturday. We win, but we can't get back on the road because there's like two feet of snow out there
1: did they feed you hot dogs and popcorn too no
5: yeah they kept the concession stands open but that was about that was about it you know you know when you're 10 you don't mind sleeping on bleach no, no, it doesn't matter no no
1: no doubt that sounds awesome for me speaking of awesome sectional semifinals cathedral warren ln and addicts i don't know
5: if you can get any
1: better than those two on a friday night in indiana in sectional play
5: Yeah, you know, when we did the pairing show, we kind of said that was going to be one you you have to pay attention to and kind of went according to to Hoyle, so to speak. But it was it'll be great. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous sectional there. I mean, semifinal Friday, if we get a chance to do it like we normally do, always has surprises. You know, Uh, the question is whether or not your guys are going to still get a chance to play. Uh, down in their tournament. Uh, They're they're playing somebody pretty good, aren't they? They, uh,
1: I believe, do they have, uh, do my fellas have Linton in 2A tonight, I think? Yeah, that's, yeah, that won't happen. Uh, No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 Yeah. it's uh, Eastern Green has South Knox. Uh, and what's interesting about yeah. that, David Burkett's their head coach. David Burkett's a friend of mine. David Burkett is a Thunderbird. He's a graduate of Eastern Green. Brian, so Brian. they'll probably beat us up too. by yeah. about fifteen or so, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> well, still, you know what? It's been fun. It's been a fun <laughs> yeah. basketball year. I'm gonna tell you back,
2: still back a whole
5: when, lot to play.
1: Back when I was growing up, it was it like made you feel good when you got to buy. You know what I mean?
5: It's like it was like one. We oh, got yeah. to buy. That's oh, yeah. like
1: one win right there. It made you feel good.
5: Well, you knew you'd be playing on Friday. That's the whole thing about it. At least you thought you would be playing on Friday. No doubt. So,
1: uh... But yeah, Mitchell and uh, Linton on the other side of that, in, incredibly difficult to say the least. Bob Lovell is with us. I, I did want to get back to Cathedral and Warren and LN and Attics. I. I guess maybe it comes from the remnants of the city tournament, but Addicts uh-huh. uh-huh. just seems like a team. It's it's kind of a younger team. Um, it's got a centerpiece for a younger team. Uh, they seem like some. They got some dogs in that locker room right there. They've been enjoyable.
5: They really do. They do. I mean, they had a great city uh, city tournament, as everybody knows. Uh, they and I think the thing about them, you know, Chris Hawkins is a pretty good coach, and has had great success. Love how he runs his program. And the stuff he does, they've gotten better. They've just they, they've kind of used that city tournament as a, a launching pad, if you will. And they continue to play great. Lawrence uh, Central had a big win to get to get to the semis. Cathedral's Cathedral. Cathedral started out as one of the, the top five teams in the state in 4A, and I think they continue to be. Okay. And so, uh, and LN is really, really surprisingly good. Not very big, but good. So I think you have great matchups all the way around in
1: so Bob Lovell with a sectional semifinal Friday night. And Bob's brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana Joe Childers run CarX locations. CarX.com for your March savings events, which is ongoing right now. How much separation is there in 4A between Ben Davis and everybody else? I mentioned that because at Perry Meridian tonight, you've got D.C. Pike, Franklin Central, and Ben Davis in the six and the 730 nightcap respectively.
5: Well, I think it's kind of hard to understand, but but look at it this way: They're under, Ben Davis has not lost a game in in, uh, in this year uh, to do what they've done against the schedule they play. You, they play in the toughest uh, conference in the state. Uh, they have, I think, arguably one of the best schedules in the state, and they haven't lost a game. So um, it's a long-winded answer. I mean, the the short answer is uh, there is there is noticeable separation between them. Uh, but there are a lot of uh, a lot of good four A teams who you know how it is on a particular night uh, can do some uh, some good things. But if you have to go in and look at who they played, who Ben Davis has played, how they beat how they've won, uh, you, you clearly look at them as the number one team in the quarter.
1: Yeah, it's Carmel tonight, Noblesville, Westfield, Bob, Zionsville, and Fishers. Another really good wow. Friday night up in Carmel. And <laughs> one, one name you it's know, not a part of it is Carmel. So, yeah.
5: That was, uh, you know, it was a little bit surprising. Number one, uh, Carmel home. Uh, they played great basketball the last three or four years. Ryan Osborne has done a fantastic job. Uh, with them but it is such a competitive section everything they do every sport they uh, they play uh and and uh, tell you, i'm not sure i'm not sure who any uh, who the edge in this i think they're all very evenly matched in this semifinal game so uh i would expect them all to be one or two possession games and wouldn't surprise me who wins
1: yeah, Plainfield tonight, Terre Haute North Brownsburg, Terre Haute South and Plainfield at 730. Center Grove. The fighting Bloomington South, Andrew Barons as the senior and South gets Center Grove. Center Grove, by the way. Uh, Cedar Grove kind of crapped her pants a little bit the other night. Got a little bit of a scare. I, to me, yeah. that was probably going to be good for them because Greenwood brought it in that opening round, and that probably got them, and I'm not suggesting they're going to overlook anybody, Right. but any chance of that happening is probably gone with Coach On and that group going into tonight.
5: You know what? You know When you've played somebody uh, once already, uh, these things happen uh, in, in tournament play, and so um, – Coachan has done a fantastic job. They're they're a very solidly put together team. Um I think it's you know, I think it's one of those to toss it up and whoever makes plays at the end wins it. I want to back up and wish love to beloved Quakers you better. tonight at home in the sectional. You know, wait till I'm uh, seventy one before we start to have a sectional at our place. Thank you very much for that. But uh, <laughs> You know, they, listen. They're pretty. They're really good. They won seventeen, eighteen games. They're really good. It's just that that's a, that the people in that sectional are really else. You know, both of their hot schools, uh, and it's so. Uh, Andy Weaver's group has done well uh, let's hope that being at home uh, is big enough for our Quakers
1: yeah no doubt uh, I mentioned too also Cynthia Grove the second part of that's Bloomington North and Martinsville at 7 30 tonight Columbus North Whiteland and Shelbyville Columbus East and uh, Columbus North all that taking place in 4A um, for those we haven't mentioned yet give me a couple of sectional semifinals that we'll be playing area wise this evening that piques your interest Bob
5: Area-wise, sectionals, uh, you know what? That's a great question. I love it when you make me uh, – when you expose me for not, for not knowing what I'm talking about. Oh,
1: no, you always Dr. know what you're talking about. I'm never worried about that. And
5: for buff matchup, I really do. But, I'm right you know, there with you. Uh, Beach Grove, uh, with their um, – you know, they're defending their championship, so they play Speedway tonight. Um Some really, you know, those types of matchups around the state, John. But I think more than anything is the ones that we talked about uh, uh, throughout most of the year. You love, obviously, the one at Carmel, uh, and you love the target kind of reference. So uh, at this particular stage, to be perfectly honest, they're all pretty good if you want the honest truth. And um, just uh, who's out there is waiting to be the surprise team. That's the other question. It's a team that's – gonna pull the upset and be the surprise and make one of those great
1: runs yeah you mentioned too at uh, manual uh ritter and washington beach grove and speedway the two yeah. there I, yeah. I, the one that i would probably look at and maybe that is more for tomorrow night at the hatchet house because you got that uh that sicily kid right from heritage hills Right. and that heritage the- hills they yeah. play washington and we've talked about this Vincent's lincoln and I'm sure North Davies will clock Vincennes-Lincoln, but North Davies, after that title a year ago, moved up from A to 3A. And this is the scheduling and the challenge that they've taken on. It's going to be interesting if they end up colliding with Heritage Hills, what that championship game at the Hatchet House is going to look like coming up tomorrow night.
5: Well, they kind of thing, they realized who they were playing. I mean, they look at it quite diligently, frankly, to see – Uh, you know, regional, sectional by sectional, sectional game, regional, uh, semi-state, who you'd be up against, knowing full well that Herity Chills was going to be in there. And this is a Herity Chills team that had great success last year. And you bring back the Sicily kid, who is a legit uh, top 15, top 20 player in the country. I mean, everybody's in recruiting him right now. So that's how good he is. That's how good they are. And so they knew uh, North Davis knew it was going to be a challenge. Uh, obviously, it's unheard of for a team to go from 1A to 3A. They uh, knew it was a challenge, did it anyway. To this point, it has worked out well. But now you're also playing a different caliber of player uh, when you're playing a 3A. I'm with you. That'd be a, that would be a great regional, excuse me, a great sectional to see. Um, and uh, that's a pretty good. One. You know, you got the Bar Reeves. That's look, right.
1: So I was going right, next. Dude. The Lagodi place. Bar I think
5: they the, they you know, hold
1: around forty five hundred at right. Uh The, the fire yeah. the fire marshal is not going to be anywhere near that building tonight. No, I guarantee
5: no. you that. Yeah, he's been called away on an emergency out of the county. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> so, there, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. There's 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 nothing going on. And you know, the unique thing about this is. Uh, if you look back at 1A championships, there have been a number of 1A champions out of this sectional. You know, Barry, when they made their run, Lagode has uh, done it too. Uh, Orleans is really, really good, has had a great run. And your guy, Jamie, you know, at. Uh, uh, at uh, Bloomfield. Oh well, yeah, JB Neal. Hey, I will. I will
1: tell you this: yeah. Class A, the the winner, and I'm going. I'm going to go ahead and guarantee this: the winner of Bloomfield and Orleans, whenever they meet, will win the Class A title. That's who's going to win Class A. I
5: don't. I don't argue. I don't argue with that. I mean, yeah. I think that's. I, I think that's well done. To be honest, I'm not sure who's going to win. So, you know, uh, have fun if you don't. I mean, away from the water and just stay in central indiana and go some great basketball tonight tomorrow night
1: Bob's got you covered. Indiana Sports Talk a little bit later on tonight, coming up tomorrow night as well. He won't forget about the college action that is going on, including Indiana State in the quarterfinals over in St. Louis, the Mo Valley Conference Tournament against Belmont, and he'll have you set for the final regular season weekend of the Big Ten and getting ready for obviously both the Big Ten Conference Tournament and the Big East Conference Tournament. There is so much going on. Bob's got you tonight and tomorrow night with all of it. Brought to you by your 14th Central Indiana Car X locations, CarX.com today. Bob, I don't know how you're gonna do it all, but it's gonna be up to you to do it all. Have a great time.
0: Meekham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Meekham's 37th original spring classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana it's State Fairgrounds. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, Exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Meekum.com.